the four o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Adam Hill, best traveling opposing fan base to Vegas for... This Raiders season, Philly or Chicago, or is it, or am I missing someone? Oof. I mean, I, I'm gonna have to think Philly. Really? Well, I mean, I well, what is I think best? It's gonna be Chicago. No, but I want biggest number. I want dis- Oh, okay, that's different. I want a disaster, and I think Philly, when they're here, it's gonna be a total disaster. So that's the best to me. Chicago will probably be the most though, and I feel like there's already a lot of Chicago fans here without even traveling here. Feels like we have like six Chicago bars here. At least. It's very popular. Popular team for sure. Well, we've been counting down the teams uh, in the NFL from 32 to 1. Uh, we have the Bears a little low, I think, at number 23. They've been a good team. They've been, you know, either in the playoffs or challenging for the playoffs. So I don't know if there's going to be a big drop off, but we'll find out from Dan Durkin what's going on in uh, preseason camp here as we get ready for the season. Uh, Dan is up with Cofield and Company. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? We're good. So what do you think? Are there going to be hundreds of Chicago fans traveling to Vegas for the game or thousands? I mean, you can't be serious with hundreds right now. There's going to be thousands. I mean, I just, just picking up on the buzz for, for this team. I remember when the schedule was first released. I mean, that was the one that people were already posting on, on social media, like what are the best uh, flights for, for that weekend in October. So I think it's going to be a madhouse in Vegas on October 10th. 400 a night to stay Minimum three fifty. Get in for the tickets. Yep, yep. That I think that people matter. are going to pop for it. Yeah, because <laughs> I think the assumption is at that point in the season, there's a good chance uh, you, you might see Justin Fields under center. So I think that there's just such groundswell in this city and just such anticipation that they may have gotten it right finally at the quarterback position that uh, people are probably thinking uh, not only are they going to get a, a fun trip to Vegas, they might get to see Justin Fields play as well. Well, you read my mind. Uh, that was part of my prediction when I was looking at the schedule, you know, six weeks ago. I'm like, I think about then, that's when they start making the transition. Are they making the transition in week five because Fields is simply ready or because the season has gotten off to a bad start? Well, I think, you know, they, the, the first week is rough, obviously. They're, they're going to have a tough matchup against the, the, the Rams. So, I mean, I think that that game is going to be, um, you know, a real tough early test, but you get a little reprieve there against the Bengals. So I am interested to see how Dalton can kind of maybe steady the ship there for the first couple of weeks because, you know, during, during the lead-in, you guys were talking about how the team has been competitive. It's true, um, but it's, they've been competitive primarily because of their defense. You know, the offense has just been, an, you know, they're winning in spite of their offense is probably the easiest way to put it. And so, how much of a thrust is somebody like Andy Dalton going to give to this team? You know, that, that's a huge question mark for me. But, you know, the, the schedule gets tough, uh, you know, more towards the, the middle portion. They have, I think they go Packers, Bucks, and 49ers. So do you really want to subject, you know, Justin Fields to that? Or do you want to wait a little bit and maybe after that Steelers game, that's, that's their bye weeks the week after, maybe you give him his first start against the Ravens. So I think it, a lot of it has to do with the early start, but I don't think the schedule is so tough that there aren't good. They, they could be a, easily a 2-2, a, a, 3-1 you know, two two, two, team by, by, by the time week five rolls around. And, and 
does the fact that it's been a really good defensive team and that's how they've kind of, you know, hung their hat and won games over the over the past couple of years, does that speak more to maybe Andy Dalton is the right choice for a while as he's going to make the right reads, going to make the right plays, not going to be exciting, but not going to put you in a bad spot, and he's going to just move the chains enough uh, to keep you winning games while not making the big mistake, even if Fields can be a much more dynamic playmaker, he may make too many mistakes and put them in a bad spot. Yeah, I think that's certainly the hope. And, and the way that I always think about it is just the volume of plays they're going to be able to run with Andy Dalton is just going to be much more expanded than it would be for Justin Fields. That's not, that's not a knock on his acumen or his ability to eventually pick the playbook up. But, you know, right now, Andy Dalton's just seen more fronts. He's seen more pre- and post-snap looks at the NFL level. Justin Fields hasn't played enough football. And so, like, when you haven't played enough football, then you're asking somebody to play the toughest position in professional sports at the highest level of competition. It's a big ask. And so I think that the goal for, for Nagy and company here really is to make sure that they can run their full playbook and they have, you know, they can dig a little bit deeper maybe if the, the initial, you know, script that they have, they have to deviate from it. They can start drawing from plays and that they probably have more confidence with Dalton. And I have to say, I mean, he, he is going to be an upgrade from what, what has happened here the last couple of years. And I think that it's funny to say that because I don't think Andy Dalton's anything more than just like a, a middling quarterback in the NFL. But I think middling quarterback play could, could do well for this team considering how they're positioned from a defensive perspective. Let me, let me run this theory by you and you can tell me how crazy it is. I, I have said I think Dalton plays longer than we expect, and my reasoning is the coaching staff could be in trouble if things don't go well. It'd be nice to have that ace in the hole to say, whoa, 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 don't fire us. Let's see what we got with Fields here. Let's see if we can turn it over to him. And if you've already played him, you've already shot all your bullets, you don't really have that, you know, that trump card to pull out. No, I think, I think you're spot on. I don't think it's crazy at all, and I think that's, that's – probably uh, there's a high probability that scenario is actually going to pass. And you are right. There is pressure um, in not many front offices and not many, uh, you know, coaching staffs get two bites at the apple. When you think about, um, you know, missing on a franchise quarterback early on, there's only really two examples that I can think of off the top. The Cardinals missed on Josh Rosen. They came back and drafted Kyler Murray, the Bucks, you know, they, they tanked on James Winston and they came back and got Tom Brady in free agency. But, Typically, when you miss on that early quarterback, it's sayonara at that point in time. So the fact that the Bears got a second bite at this, there, there is pressure now. It's like there's no excuses. Your excuses are gone. You've gone through your goodwill. And I think at this point in time, the, the trust that the ownership group and the board of directors for the Bears has shown in Ryan Pace, it, it, he needs to reward them for that. You are, you're absolutely right. The pressure is on him and the pressure is on Nagy. So I think that that's probably the right scenario is, Hey, you know, we're, we're just hanging on by a thread here with Dalton, but don't forget, we have our, our prized first-round pick ready and waiting in the wings, and if he comes out and plays well, I think that could completely change the temperature around the org. Previewing the Bears, number 23 in the Cofield and Company uh, NFL rankings, Dan Durkin covers the Bears, has covered the Bears, is uh, a Bears insider with ESPN 1000. Uh, if I'm throwing fields out there, I want to make sure my offensive line is set. Um there are going to be some problems early in the season. Like, what's going on at both of the tackle positions? It's been a position that Ryan Pace has, has played with fire since since he's taken over. He is he has really neglected, um, you know, a, a crucial position, and that's offensive tackle. He's invested early picks on the interior of the line. You know, he drafted Cody White here, which has worked out. Looks like James Daniels is going to work out pretty well for them as well. But as far as the tackles are concerned, 
you know, he, he spent a sixth-round pick his first draft and then didn't take another one until last year, and they were two seventh-round picks. And then he takes Tevin Jenkins this past April, who hasn't played, who hasn't practiced once since training camp has started. So I think that continuity matters so much with the offensive line. When you think about timing just between running backs and the offensive line as far as how holes will actually open up up front. But then you also think just about communication. You can turn to the left of the, to the guy and maybe you have some code word about like, hey, we're going to double this guy and then I'm working up to the, the, the mic or the will, whatever it is. That, that's hard when you're switching pieces and it's been this constant game of like, you know, like musical chairs on the offensive line. So they have some serious problems at offensive tackle. And until that gets settled, it's hard to see this offense really taking off because uh, I think they went through like 33 different combinations since Pace has been here at GM. So it's been completely unsettled across the offensive line. And now when you have Tevin Jenkins not available, who's one of the more crucial players when you think about the, the potential success of the team, it's really troubling. You have Jermaine Effetti hasn't practiced. He's been up with a hip flexor. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson, a guy that they signed in the offseason, just came off of, I believe, COVID protocol. And then you have uh, you know guys that have gotten hurt during camp. So they're, they're really hurting at both tackle positions. So now you have fifth-round uh, fifth guy Larry Borum from Missouri, who they wanted to kind of groom as the right tackle, taking first-team snaps at the left side. They've got some serious problems on the offensive line. Uh, going to the defense, is there anyone in Chicago who would complain about the Khalil Mack trade now? Uh, the Raiders' picks, listen, one's good. Josh Jacobs, the other two, the jury's still out on in uh, Brian Edwards and Damon Arnett. Uh, I mean, that that was a fleecing from the very beginning. You don't you don't trade one of the the three or four best you know defensive players in the league and expect you know those those picks to work out. I, I yeah, Josh Jacobs is good. There have been three teams that have won a Super Bowl over the last twenty years that drafted a running back in the first round. So that to me is just a, a poor use of the draft capital that they've had. So um, the Bears undoubtedly won that. Khalil Mack has totally changed the complexion and the confidence of that defense. And when you pair him next to a healthy Akeem Hicks, that just creates so many problems for that side of the offensive line. So, no, um, Khalil's, Khalil's got a, a different mentality this year. I think that he played through a nagging shoulder injury last year, um, but he was still very effective. He was effective against the run. Um, he was turning the edge. He just wasn't getting to the quarterback. But um, I know that that stuck with him. You can just tell by his posture. You can tell by his words that um, – he means business this year, so I'm not worried about him at all. It's more the guy that they spent money on last year, and that's Robert Quinn. They dumped $70 million on him, and he, he just really didn't show up for them. So they need Quinn to step up. They need Akeem Hicks to stay healthy, and they need Eddie Goldman, who didn't play last year, their, their nose tackle, who is really kind of the – the stir, you know, the, the the straw that stirs the drink for them to to hold down the interior, but he had a breakthrough COVID case. So there's been a lot of very um, interesting drama early on in Bears camp. But um, that defensive front is for real. Um, Roquan Smith, if he's not already, will be a household name this year. They do have some issues at cornerback, just to come kind of, in terms of who's going to step up there. But um, you're, you're talking about you know like eight really solid starters on that defense that I think is going to be able to carry them pretty well into the season. Is the defense good enough to carry them to, say, a wild card if the offense is just average? 
I think it's possible. I mean, you, know, you, you can't say teams are a five with a seventeen game season. You can't say that they're a five hundred team anymore. But um, I see the Bears realistically. I mean, think about it. If you're able to get by with the the pedestrian quarterback play of, of Mitch Trubisky and then whatever you know transient they brought in when he he was either down or hurt, you know between. Um, you know, Nick Foles and they had, uh, what Chase Daniel and these other guys that they were running out there. And they were still always, you know, an eight, nine, 10 win team. Um, they have a very tough schedule this year, but I do see them being, you know, the second best team in the division outside of the Packers. So it's really who's going to step up between them and the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Vikings have some, some concerns and questions of their own, but, um, certainly the Bears should be in the mix in the NFC. They're, they're not going to be a big uh, noisemaker in the playoffs if they're able to squeak in, but um, the arrow's up for the Bears if, if they can get this, this field pick right because uh, they have a lot of young core players on defense, and they have a couple, Darnell Mooney on the offensive side, really nice ascending second-year pick, uh, you know, fifth-round guy out of Tulane that just was really electrifying as a rookie. So they, they have some pieces in place, but um, I think for this year they're probably about an eight- or a nine-win team. What are your concerns with the Vikings? Offensive line. Uh, I, I just really didn't think that their offensive line has been good over the last couple of years. Christian Darrisaw, a guy who I liked out of Virginia that they drafted, just had a core. He had an abdominal muscle surgery. So when you, when you take these picks early, you're, you're looking for them to step in as day one starters. And, you know, that, that's not going to be the case there. Their, their offensive line was just with cheese last year. So I, I, just, I don't see that um, you know, being a strength for them. Um, Kirk Cousins seems to turn into a pumpkin when when the pressure's really on him. So I, I just I have a lot of doubts for them. Love Dalvin Cook, love Justin Jefferson, love Adam Thielen, but um, just too many holes on on the offensive line for me to get behind the Vikings. Vegas is not bullish on the Bears here at William Hill Racing Sportsbook. We're at Silver Sevens today, uh, just off the uh, strip uh, next to William Hill Book. Bears are only seven and a half on the season win total. The, yeah, that's the number one you were talking about. I, I said I bet you they're about a seven and a half. That seems right to me because if things go right, obviously if they stay healthy and the offense is able to do something, they will definitely hit that. But if not, like I said, they're they're an eight or a nine win. They're a nine win team at best. They're probably right around that, like eight and nine mark, seven and ten mark. So I, that that does seem right. Uh, that does seem right to me. But to me, it all comes down to the 2022 season because. Justin Fields will play at some point in the season. What do you have with him? What can you learn from the snaps he gets this year? And I think really arrows up for the Bears in 2022 and beyond because the other component of that is Aaron Rodgers will probably not be with the Packers in 2022, so there could be some sort of changing of the guard there as far as the NFC North is concerned. We love stadium talk, but is the Bears stuff just sort of jostling right now? Is there really a chance the Bears could move? Are you talking about the Arlington Heights? Yes. Sure, sure. And, I mean, the, wow. the reason is, you know, the, the Bears are one of the few teams out there um, that, that doesn't own their own stadium. They rent from the, the Chicago Park District. So when you think about just from an asset, a pure, you know, monetary perspective, they're missing out on a lot of money. You go to, you know, Dallas. I've traveled to New England and just seen the complex that Robert Kraft has built out there. The Bears are missing out on that. It's, it's, a, hard, it's a beautiful, don't get me wrong, the view from there to the, to the skyline is absolutely gorgeous. You're right on the bank of, of Lake Michigan. It's beautiful from a scenery perspective. It's hard to get there. It's a small stadium. It's 62,000 seats. So when you think about what they could do in Arlington in terms of, 
There is tons of easy ways to get in and out there. It's already set up from a traffic perspective. You can build a retractable dome. You can put, you know, gambling is legal here in Illinois as well. You can put a sports book there. So I think it is real, and I think that they would just really have a chance to um, capitalize even more on just the popularity of the team. So I think it's a very real possibility. And then the flip side of it is uh, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor, is trying to be a tough guy, and it doesn't sound like she's got a whole lot of ammo behind her uh, where would the money come from the bears are not paying for the whole thing right is there a lot of public money involved there would there wouldn't be public money in this one because they already went down that well so they would really need to look at you know like the the, the biggest person outside of the mccaskey family in terms of the board of board of directors is pat ryan who owns like cna insurance and so it would have to come from some sort of equity group among some of the board of directors and whomever else that they're able to get. So I think what they would have to do is just sell off a little bit of the interest in the team to somebody else who can come in and then help fund the stadium project because they already went through the route of public funding for the Soldier Field renovation that they did 18, 19, 20, somewhere, you know, 20 years ago, somewhere around there. Um, so I think that that would be a non-starter. So I think that it would have to come from some sort of equity within uh, the people who own the team outside of the McCaskies. You think you're going to try to come out to Vegas to cover the game? I, I, it's definitely a distinct possibility. Uh, I think that uh, it's going to be electric. I, I would love to see the stadium out there, and I, I just I, I think it's going to be a, a really fun environment. And uh, yeah, I think there, there's a good chance that's going to happen. We have some decent Chicago food joints here. So, what's your favorite? The <laughs> uh, the deep dish pizza, the not, Chicago yeah. dog, or the Italian beef, or none of them? Yeah, I like you know Chicago. Like the the deep dish is what people talk about, but there's some really good thin crust in Chicago. So I know that that deep dish is kind of what people people know it for. But um, there's some really excellent uh, thin crust here. But um, you know Chicago is just uh, you know like a, a very you know cosmopolitan, world class city. So I, I'm more of like a, like a sushi guy myself. And I know that there's I've been to the Nobu out there. So I mean there there's some good stuff in Vegas, and I, that that's been the biggest part for me and in, in, in having visited Vegas over the years is, um, you know, how previously it was like you go to a buffet and you'd hope for the best and hold your nose as you ate half your meal. But um, it's totally changed now from like the amount of like really good restaurants that are out there. So uh, I, I think I'd, I'd go for some of the, the, the ritzier options. I've been to yeah. the Mesa Grill out there. I've been to the Nobu. So yeah, there's, there's some good stuff out there for sure. That, that is a good comeback. Like uh, it's just, we make the assumption people are going to come from their area to then try their right. area's food in a different city <laughs> where it might suck. Right, exactly. Right. I'll save it for the good spots that are around here for sure. Exactly. Hey, that was a really good spot. We appreciate it, and let's uh, definitely try to hook up again during the season. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Have a good day. That was good. Dan Durkin, ESPN 1000, was with The Athletic. That, that's uh, yeah, that's a good good point. I don't know why. Hey, when you come out here, you're going to have some Chicago food. I'll give you a recommendation uh, where I go. Can I get some sushi? It's <laughs> true. That's just uh, stereotyping. Hey, Chicago guy, you like the deep dish? You like the well? You like the Italian beef? I don't know what accent you're doing there. I don't know. Uh, Chicago, but you do have to admit, Italian? like when we go on the road as Las Vegans, like we don't do we have like, hey, you know, what's our staple food? The shrimp cocktail? Sure. Hey, I want a shrimp cocktail in Houston. Got some good shrimp cocktail in Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> it's like there's no probably. It's a good point. Yeah, Actually, if we go closer <laughs> to the water, that probably is a good idea to get shrimp cocktail there. I'd it might imagine. be slightly fresher. Sure. Although, but not fresher than Silver Sevens, where they've got the 777 giant shrimp cocktail. Ooh. But you got to join A-Play. Join the Players Club here. they got a ton of food specials. This is a great oh, place. Flamingo in Paradise. Come I'm on down here. right now. We're going to tell you about the uh, William Hill Football Contest in just a little bit. we got the Fat Pack on the way. And uh, guess who's back? 
Football season's here. College football betting insider Brad Powers. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. last year because we don't have a lot of time doing the hard stuff that we need to do to get to where we want to go. Charlie around, he don't work here, okay? High school Harry, get his ass up the door. This is about winning. It's about winning the world championship, period. Period, that's all matters. Going to playoffs ain't good enough. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Again, I don't want to overdo it. Yeah, based on what we're seeing on Hard Knocks, but that was the fiery Mike McCarthy with... Was it Charlie F around? Is that who it is? And who is it? High School School Harry? Harry. High School Harry. Get out of here. Shut up. (laughs) And that, you know, it's so funny, that whole, the whole uh, Jenny Taft skip thing over him, you know, looking like, you know, kind of sloppy. And that, you know, players might not be motivated by a guy who's not in shape. That's the least, his appearance is the least of the Cowboys' worries. That's a problem. That, and as we talked about yesterday, and if you haven't watched Mojo. it. Yeah, the Mojo from Austin Powers clips, that's the problem. Mike McCarthy's a super hip coach in 1987. God. I don't know. When was Austin Powers out? 97, 96, 95? Come on, man. Uh, Make some Mojo plays. Shut up. Can we name one of our podcast nights Charlie F. around? Probably. Fitz. Ari, can we just call you that from now on? You don't work here no more. There's no more Ari. Stop. Our like producer, it. Charlie F. around. <laughs> it's a good character. Come on, just go along. It's just so I'm in. Bad. You're always sighing and pushing back. I'll change it's, my Twitter it, account. It's a winner. It's a real winner. God, McCarthy sucks. Now, if you're wondering where Fat Pack is so we can talk food, it's coming. Um, and you'll also notice, like, I like callers, but I also don't like leaning on callers from time to time. I, I, I guess this is good radio, but if you're doing this, and it went viral because there's a jabroni who pulls a bunch of stuff from WFAN, <laughs> and uh, it gets up on the web. Uh, this was, and, and the, I, I hate this for a couple of reasons. First of all, this is low-hanging fruit nonsense. But it also, this is not all Jets fans. It's not all New York sports fans. It's all Jets fans. It's not. It's not. But here's a guy calling in. It's, uh, what are we, you know, two and a half weeks in a freaking training camp and Zach Wilson the quarterback pick of the Jets he's already done with them don't think they're having buyer's remorse with Zach Wilson the reports from campus he's struggling and then Justin Fields he's just tearing it up with the Bears don't you think they're having a bit two top three picks in the draft and they just can't get it right okay are you at these camps and do you realize it's camp He's tearing it up. His first camp, both of their first camps. So he's not only decided. I got a snitch at Bears camp who's telling me Fields is unbelievable. So a lot of people on the internet have been calling this, you know, the fan has already labeled Zach Wilson a bust. Yeah. It's more that he's already labeled Zach Wilson a bust and and Justin Fields a Hall of Famer. Yes. Keep going. I'm not just going by training camp reports. I'm going by the Jets' history with drafting quarterbacks, and I'm going by what we saw with our own eyes. He's going against guys that I play flag football with on Sunday being a weekend warrior, 
He's going against guys like that in college, and Justin Fields going against the best college teams every single week, and they're both they're both playing incredible. It's so obvious. So obvious. You know what's great there, though? Uh, anyone in the Northeast and the media who rips on that guy, they learn from you right. on the, oh, these are you know beer league guys because no one watches freaking football out this way, especially BYU. Everyone assumes that, and the schedule was weaker last year, but everyone assumes the this you know he's playing against no one, which is not true. By the way, I was listening to Fox Sports Radio coming in. Great interview. Like Doug Gottlieb's really into the Chargers. He really does research, and he had Tom Telesco on, and he was really like pounding the fact like, how did I know you? Oh, so, sorry. The the summer league game just went to double overtime, sudden death, and they lost possession. Threw up a ball at the rim, and it goes in for a sudden death walk off three pointer. It was very dramatic. Sorry, I jumped out no, of the that's chair. That's right, right. Your reaction, was, I was like, what just happened? It was insane. Oh, anyway. Crazy. So Gottlieb's doing this interview with Telesco, and he's like, he's like, how did so many people miss on Justin Herbert? Like, why was he further down? And I know you don't think, you know, Herbert's a guarantee, but, you know, he had a good first season. And Telesco, without hesitation, he's like, I don't know, East Coast bias? <laughs> now, I think he was mostly kidding, but I think that is part of it. I would hope NFL personnel squads aren't don't operate like media, and they're doing all their homework. But sometimes when you're a player in the West, you get lost. Let's go with uh, a you know typical Jets fan. I mean, I guess he is, but Zach Wilson already a bust. Sorry if I'm coming from a lifelong Jets fan, and I'm sitting there, and they're just going through quarterbacks every two years, and they finally have a really good draft, a great draft, but they just didn't get the most important part of the draft. It feels like already. All right, done. Well, my, my favorite part of this is that it's kind of underrated, but obviously it's preposterous. Everything he's saying is preposterous. But he says he's not just going by trading camp reports, which, yes, you are. That's all there is. I'm not just going by that. I'm also going by the Jets' history in the draft. So if they would have picked Fields, wouldn't you also say Fields sucked because the Jets drafted him? Right. Well, his other case was, you know, you heard part of it there, the competition that Zach Wilson faced no one. While Justin Fields, you know, faced the gauntlet at Ohio State, and the sports talk host, whoever it was, was like Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, totally different. Haskins How? wasn't a highly touted guy. How he didn't How put up numbers like he did put up numbers. He's His last year there was amazing. The <laughs> first round pick. How did he? It's, how was he not touted? Whatever, man. And you know what? It, good passion, I guess. And it, you know, it's one of those. I mean, they do kind of learn from us. In the you know sports debate media that you plant your flag as early as you can, and then you're like, I'm the first one who said it. That Jack Walsh is a bust. I said it two weeks into training camp. See, I nailed it. Zach Wilson bust. It's over. It's over. El Flapo. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. Live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. All right, Fat Pack on a Thursday. Silver Sevens is the site. Get on down here, join A Play, and get up to seventy-seven bucks in free play right out of the gates. Also have the William Hill Racing Sportsbook here, and we're always referencing all those uh, win totals, courtesy of William Hill. All right, back-to-back Jet stories, real quick. When's the last time you had a bout with any kind of food poisoning? I mean, I feel like it's been a long time. It, it doesn't happen very often. Every once yeah. in a while, you just don't feel great. But, like, 
I don't want to trivialize like not feeling great after eating something with what food poisoning actually is. Cleve Furl got it a couple of years ago, his rookie year, lost a bunch of weight, about 20 pounds during the season. Uh, now it looks like Denzel Mims had a bout of it. Uh, he'll tell you what he thinks it was due to, but he lost a bunch of weight. I lost 20 pounds. So, you know, it took a big toll on me. Will you ever eat salmon again? Nah, I have <laughs> never t- I haven't touched salmon ever since then. Are you trying to gain the weight back, or I, I don't know if you need to get stronger, or if you're quicker now? I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm good with my weight now. If it comes, it comes. If it don't, it don't. You know, I'm not really too worried about the weight. They're, they're not worried about the weight. Best thing I can do is just make sure I stay in shape and make sure I continue to lift weight so I can stay healthy. So he was 217. He got down to 197, and now he's back up to about 207. Bad salmon. Salmon? He did say salmon at the beginning. Yeah. Uh... I, I mean, I feel like this happens with fish more than anything else, right? Uh, my only bouts with it have been with chicken. Yeah, chicken too. They're both tough. It's why it's honestly, and this is not a joke. It's one of the reasons I don't cook. You don't trust yourself. No, I don't know when you're when it's done. It's such a crazy concept to me. Like it's done. It's done when they put it on the plate and bring it to you at the, at the restaurant. I, I, I can't. I can't judge. And on a grill, forget it. No idea. I thought I had it the other day. Food poisoning? Yeah, well, I came back from a trip to California, and on the way back on Monday, uh, the SO had a hunker in for some Mexican food. And I was like, yeah, we'll just hit, you know, Hesperia, Victorville, or Barstow. Oh, perfect. Go to Texas Roadhouse. You don't need to no, get Mexican. For, for Mexican food. No. She really wanted Mexican food. So we stopped at a place. It was good. Um, I was kind of looking around the place. It was, yeah, it was a little dirty. Um, but when I got home, all of a sudden, I was like, man, I got some, like, intense cramps. Like, whoo. Right? Actually, went went to bed early, which I never do. Uh, the whole, like, the, the pain kind of dropped, and I was like, all right, this is all going to come out. Um, yeah, nothing. As it turned out, I'm just old, and I can't crap. <laughs> like, I was just bloated. Isn't that sad? It's kind of sad. Like, I was actually kind of disappointed. I know food poisoning, but uh, the, um, since then, I'm like, eh, it's been, like, three days of kind of being bloated. It's like, uh, you know, freaking milk of whatever, drink. I'm so just, no food poisoning, just uh, just a little old man cloggage. Not to switch up the subject on your story. That's but a good subject. My, the part that I'm most interested in, I feel like on road trips, Mexicans should just be ruled out. Uh, yes, in the middle. Well, there was only, unless there was traffic, uh, there was only like two and a half hours left on the ride. So, Still? I, I pretty much have an iron stomach. I don't, I don't get like explosive whatever. Out, also, of no, out of nowhere. You also don't know when you're going to get stuck in traffic on that drive. It's it's. It could be five hours, yep. and then you're totally screwed. At, at any moment, that the two because that 15 is two lanes. At any moment, it could be a living hell. And I'll say a mistake that me and my friends made once on a road trip back from Southern California. Uh, you are familiar with an Italian place that we love in San Diego. Yeah, but it's a lot of food. Oh yeah, and it's we, very heavy. Dude, I did it. I did it with the sports pig. Uh, it's probably like road trip. Maybe 2007, I stopped in, it actually was in Temecula, and we did the whole special. Yeah. It was like two giant things of pasta and a pizza, and loaded up, and I got, I, I, you know, I was driving, I got in the car, and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, we got like three and a half hours to go, and I am loaded it's, up it with, just, uh, with freaking free mentioned Philippines. It just sits on you so heavy. Oh, it's heavy. But it's but so good. That's why it's great, but it's, <laughs> it's, so it's absolutely good. a meal you have to... You, you have it, and then you're like, I got to go lay down. When you, get the, you can't like, drive right after. And the, I mean, their pizzas are amazing, but the best, the best item there is like the lasagna and ravioli combo, and then you throw like a giant Italian sausage and a giant meatball on there. And the full pizza. 
I need well, a whole, I need to get a whole pizza. pizza. The family special. Sure, but all that with just just those things, it's insane how much it weighs on you. Brad Powers is on the way. This guy actually, he, he went on a uh, long vacation. He says he went around the country twice to the tune of like 5,000 miles. He said it's a beautiful country. And, you know, don't forget, there's a lot of great people out there. We're going to find out about his tale. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. I've been there for 32 years now. What I've got is a get-to job, not a got-to job. I get to do that. When you look across the room and you lock eyes with a teammate and you're wearing the same colors that you get to, that's not a got-to. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield & Company. I love that so much. That was Ernie Johnson talking to the Alabama football team. It's a good life lesson for kids who are looking for jobs. Um, if we talked about everyone on the show right now, uh, get to job you, get to job me, get to job Brad Powers. Beyond that, eh, got to. Uh, Brad Powers is up with us, our college football expert. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. How you doing? I'm good. I'm. I really want to spend the next 10 minutes talking college football, but I'm – mystified i'm fascinated by your tweet the other day about traveling the country like two times over and you actually said there's a lot of nice people out there (laughs) yeah uh, (laughs) it's something you don't always you know at least if you believe what you see or read on social media i don't don't think you'd think that was the case but i can tell you at least from my personal experience driving to ohio and back and taking my sweet time doing it over the last three weeks and visiting a bunch of states and a bunch of stadiums and really taking my time, uh, this is still a really good place to live. I'll just put it that way. Sing it with me. America! Don't curse. Um, (laughs) What was the place you went to where you were like, wow, this is a lot cooler than I thought it was? Uh, Probably two. I I visited a lot of college football stadiums that I I just don't have time, obviously, uh, during the season, but you know, the obvious big news today, I mean, the Field of Dreams. Uh, I, I didn't go there, but I went to Kinnick Stadium in, in Iowa, and uh, I, I thought it was super cool. They have, like, corn uh, as you get, you know, walk up to the, the, the front gates of the stadium. They have, you know, a couple rows of corn there. So I thought that was cool. And obviously the new tradition that they, you know, wave to the kids at the children, uh, Children's Hospital there. That was super cool. And the other one was Wyoming. Uh, that's the highest elevation uh, stadium in the country at 7,200 feet. And they, they were so nice. They just let me walk right on the field. So, I mean, I walked right on the 50-yard line there. So that was kind of cool. Did you actually try to go out in Laramie to the six places you can go to? It is a small town. Not. It is a small town. Like that, like I've, a lot of the Mountain West towns are actually bigger towns. Wyoming, you talk about a small place, man. And, when, and during the winter, obviously, it gets – freaking cold like that's that's one of those places on the road covering college football i would have never gone to if not for college football yeah and, and you know i'm not going to say that it was all pleasure there was some business like i was taking notes on you know the stadium formations like if a wind comes through from a certain direction look at this. how i can make money and yep. take advantage of it so i uh, don't think for one second that it was all about uh, you know leisure, I, I was thinking how to make money as well. And by the way, T-Mobile Sprint—I guess it's not Sprint anymore. It doesn't work there. I found that out on multiple road trips. My God, it's the wrong uh, wrong service to have in Laramie, Wyoming. All right, so the coaches' poll came out. Um, if I were a coach and I actually you know cared and did the research, 
I don't want to vote for Alabama number one. I saw they got like 63 of the whatever, 67 votes. I would vote Georgia number one. Am I crazy? Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> I mean, I have Alabama number one, and, and really, I mean, I, I I don't care about an AP poll ballot. It's just, you know, basically who would be favored over who in a neutral field. And even though I think Alabama takes a step back from where they were a year ago, I mean, I thought last year's Alabama team was as good as it gets since I've been doing college football, even better than the LSU team from a couple years ago that, that everyone likes to put up there now as an historically great team. I mean, when you look at what Alabama did, I get it was COVID, and maybe they took advantage of it, but they played an entire SEC schedule and then, you know, obviously took care of business against Notre Dame and Ohio State in the playoff. I mean, they were as dominant as ever any team I've seen. Now, this year's team, question marks, uh, <laughs> it starts at quarterback, but I think they'll be okay with Bryce Young there. Uh, a couple of new assistants, but Saban's used to that. I mean, they bring in the greatest recruiting class, at least a modern recruiting class in college football history. So uh, the cupboard's not bare there. They start number one in my preseason ratings of Crimson Tide. All right. I just like the Georgia returnees. I think they have less questions. Now, the upside of Bryce Young is obviously tremendous. Um, I, now, the source on this is not the greatest. I was listening to Aaron Murray, who played at Georgia. He actually thinks at the beginning of the season, Georgia will actually be the better team over Clemson. Do you buy that? No, I don't. I mean, and it sounds like Aaron Murray should have a bet. sounds like Steve Cofield should have a bet because, I mean, if you think Georgia's that good, uh, I mean, you can still find, you know, Georgia plus three and a half in a neutral side game against Clemson. Clemson, I do have as the number two team in my ratings, uh, but but I think Clemson deserves to be at at least uh, unless an injury happens in the next few weeks in fall camp. I think Clemson deserves to be right around a field goal, if not a little bit more favored against Georgia. So, I mean, if you're thinking Georgia and Aaron Murray thinks Georgia's that good, uh, you know, let's see the action uh, on don't, that one. Don't uh, it's dare plenty me. available. Don't dare me. You know I play. I'm very sharp. Very sharp. Uh, <laughs> um, was, there a, was there a team that you saw, and I, again, I know you're not into the rankings, but it is good to look at the rankings and then compare them to your power ratings. Um, I saw some people complaining about a couple of teams in the top ten was there a team out there that, like, I, I've seen some people say, Texas A&M can be good, but they they should not be a top eight team. You know, I, I, I disagree with that one as well. I mean, I think if you look at recruiting, I mean, which plays a little bit of a part in, in my uh, preseason ratings, I mean, it should. It's a talent rating. Uh, I have Texas A&M number seven in mind. Uh, Jimbo's done a really good job. I liked what I saw, particularly from the defense and when I was watching them in the spring. No, I think uh, that they deserve certainly deserve to be in the top 10. You know, I think Notre Dame probably at seven might be a little overrated uh, there. I I do not have Notre Dame in my top 10. I have the Irish number 13. So if you're going, you know, overrated, underrated, at least in that top 10, I think Notre Dame's a little overrated. All right. Uh, Week zero, and we're talking to Brad Powers. Brad, your website, throw it out there for everybody. Yeah, bradpowersports.com. So my name, bradpowersports.com. And then at Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, and he often puts his tickets up. He puts... You know, a lot of his uh, his games of the year that he bets way back, and we'll get into that in a second. The Week Zero games, just a couple to hit on because we're going to have a lot of time to analyze this over the next couple weeks. Uh, is Illinois bad enough that uh, Nebraska should be laying a touchdown? No, and I bet, you know, at a very early number. I mean, I, I, I was looking to bet on this one after I watched both teams play in the spring. Uh, and I, I got Illinois at a really good number, 11.5, but I'd probably still even mean Illinois at the current number of seven for the Fighting Illini. Uh, I just, you know, if you look at it the last three, four years, Illinois competed very well against Nebraska. In fact, beat Nebraska outright last year. 
I mean, the main question for the Fighting Illini is not necessarily personnel. This is one of the most experienced teams in the country coming back. It's, they have a new coach in Brett Bielema. I'm not a big fan of him, but I still, with that being said, I still think he's an upgrade over Lovey Smith there. So with that being said, and even though I think Nebraska does have their best team under Scott Frost, I don't think the Illini should be getting a touchdown home. So certainly lean with them there. You interested in laying 17 points with UCLA taking on Hawaii? Uh, no, not 17, but I can tell you I laid nine, I laid ten and a half, I laid a bunch on UCLA when they had a bad number up about a month ago. Uh, 17 is close to my number uh, on the game. I would still maybe even lean with the Bruins. My, my main concern, and, and you know, th- this is one where I might go derivative, because UCLA has a really big game against LSU the, the following week. And I'm sure if they get up early in the first half, maybe Chip Kelly takes a little bit of a foot off the gas. So I think right now I'd be more intrigued by betting UCLA first half and full game 17. Underrated sneaky rivalry, UTEP and New Mexico State? <laughs> yeah, the I-10 rivalry uh, yeah. between two of the worst you know, bottom five teams in the country. Although... UTEP's getting better. I mean, it's probably the, it's not, it's certainly not saying much by any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably the best UTEP team in the last five, six years. So they are trending in the right direction as a program. Look, this line is telling you that. I mean, UTEP's a favorite on the road for the first time in five years and more than a touchdown favorite on the road for the first time in almost a decade. With that being said, you know, I'd probably lean to Mexico State. We'll, we'll see if the number gets to double digits. If it goes to 10, New Mexico State's worth a bet for me. You know, we, we talk to Dave Koken every week, and I know Dave got really frustrated last year during college football with COVID. He got screwed out of a lot of bets, uh, a lot of you know, numbers he got early in the week, and all of a sudden it goes off the board. What are you doing this year uh, in terms of handicapping in, you know, the COVID risk? Do you, is it just roll the dice? I mean, how do you approach it? Yeah, I, I'm rolling it. I got 137 bets I made already on the <laughs> okay. season. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with Dave as far as I, I had a ton canceled uh, last year as well. But, you know, I, I, that's out of my control. I can only control what I can, and that's, you know, getting the absolute best number that, that I believe is out there. And, you know, I, I have probably made more bets heading into this college football season because last year, in my opinion, was kind of a, an outlier as far as the data goes. And I found myself betting more this offseason than any other season since I've been doing this the last 13 years. Brad, how do people get your uh, preview guide? Go to bradpowersports.com. Uh, you can uh, order it. It's 25 bucks, 60 pages. It's uh, basically four months of all the work that I've done. And you want to see those 137 bets I made? They're all in that preview guide. Oh, wow. All right, very nice. All right, dude, glad you're back on board, and uh, it's a good sign, right, because that means football's right around the corner here. Week zero's only, uh, what, like 16 days away. So very fired up, and we'll get you on next Thursday. Thanks, Brad. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. There he is, Brad Powers, bradpowersports.com. Uh, and he's one of the you know rare guys who actually does put his tickets up. He bets a good amount of money, so puts his money where his mouth is. 137 bets already. Well, when you're doing research on, like, wind direction and where walls are at stadiums, You've got an advantage. They might as well play it. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.